Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast. Helen Gowers and John Furness, it's great to have you with us. It's taken ages to get you on. Um, let's start with our first, no, hello. First of all, Helen, hello. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for having us on your show. It's lovely to Hi. be here. Great. And hello, John. Hi, and thanks once again. Um, it's it's lovely to be here. And yeah, it's been a while since uh, you, you first asked us, I think, but uh, yeah. great to be here. <laughs> So we always start with where in the world are you? So, John, you carry on and tell us where you are in the world. I'm in Winchester in the United Kingdom, and that's in the in the south of England. And Helen? And I'm in Guildford, which is just a bit north of Winchester um, in Surrey, and that's also in, in England. Yeah, just southwest of London. Excellent. Um, so, so, Helen, um, I'm going to ask you in a moment about you and how you came to low carbon keto but before I do I think it would be great opportunity for you to tell us a little bit about TLC the lifestyle club and a a bit about it and and how it came about and all things like that so perhaps you could tell us a bit more before we go on to you and John yeah perfect so the lifestyle club um it was probably about three years ago i think that it was first thought about and it was because the public health collaboration charity has so much experience of running low carb courses we've got people like dr david unwin and kazar sadra and um gps uh, from the freshwell like um david oliver and, and kim andrews and they are using low carb in their surgeries. They're sort of GPs that have um, taken it upon themselves, even though the NHS isn't supporting it specifically, uh, they've been using it really successfully. Um, And then we've got ambassadors that have been running courses in their communities. And we just wanted to, to see whether we couldn't distill all of that knowledge and create a course that other GP surgeries would be able to commission so they wouldn't actually need to run the courses themselves. Um, but we would have the health coaches that would be able to deliver the courses to everybody. And um, it was a, a donation from one of our benefactors, Steve Bennett, that actually gave us the resources to be able to do that. Mm. So we, we commissioned the course and um, we you know, started just with four health coaches. We've now built up to 10 plus me, so 11 health coaches. And um, when we started, we really didn't know if it was going to work. We didn't know if anybody would be interested. And really, it's been the fantastic response we've had from our participants uh, that has just pushed us on and on. And now we're in um, eight primary care networks around the country. So we've got 44 surgeries that are commissioning TLC. And uh, we've had over 700 participants go through. So we're absolutely delighted and our ambition is really just to to keep growing and to, to spread it much wider Fabulous. so more people have the opportunity to come on our course and, and reverse their type 2 diabetes. Excellent. And for our listeners, if they want to listen to Steve Bennett's episode, the replay one, which has been more recent, is episode 141. That's it. Yeah, Steve is absolutely great. Mm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how your bio and how you came to low carb keto real food and how you got involved in the TLC perhaps go with that 
So, oh goodness, um, um, to start with how I eat, I um, really focus on eating real food. So just trying to reduce the amount of ultra processed foods as much as possible. And, um, you know, I, I do eat starchy carbohydrates, but I, I don't eat many. So I would say I'm carb aware rather than low carb. Um, how I came to, to TLC is I've always been interested in nutrition and I studied nutrition at university to become a dietitian. But in the 1980s, um, I just found that the, the hospital wasn't particularly interested in, in using food. They, they were much more interested in medicating patients. So I never actually practiced as a dietitian. I went into a career in IT, became a school teacher teaching food technology. And then just as my kids were leaving for university, I just sort of got this hankering to do something different. So I've returned to nutrition. I did a master's a couple of years ago. Um, so I'm now qualified as a, a registered dietitian. And um, I actually found out about the PHC through listening to a podcast by Zoe Harkham. And she was explaining about how the dietary guidelines lack evidence and that the Eat Well Guide is heavily influenced by food manufacturers. And in all the time teaching food technology, it hadn't really dawned on me quite how much that's true until he, she pointed it out. Uh, then I heard about the work of Dr. David Unwin, and I was just so blown away with that. I actually drove up to Southport to meet him and Jen and to sit in on one of his groups. And I started a, a low-carb group with my GP in Guildford, and we were just astonished how quickly people got better. He was having to de-prescribe medication within the first week or two. And so I just thought, there's something in this. I, I want to know more. And when I heard Sam saying that he was starting this health coaching service to try and scale up the work that David was doing, I just thought, yeah, I've got to, got to be part of that. So I started as one of the health coaches and then I, I quickly took over and have been leading the team since, uh, well, pretty much since the beginning. Fabulous. And John? So for me, uh, much more important than for Helen to be carb aware and, and and reduce carbohydrate consumption as a type one diabetic. I've uh, been living with type one for 10 years and it's only for the last three years that I've taken a real food, uh, very low carb or keto approach to managing my, my type one. When I did so, I reduced my um, HbA1c from a pre-diabetic level. And um, so from a type two perspective, um, pre-diabetes uh, was where I was headed with HbA1c of about 45 and um, reduced that almost overnight to a near normal level of 33 millimoles per mole. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't really keep that to myself and wanted to scream and shout about it. And like Helen set up a local um, uh, diabetes and metabolic health uh, improvement program uh, as a PHC ambassador. And then uh, came into TLC and have been delivering TLC programs and now act as the TLC training manager and uh, looking forward to scaling up TLC and delivering it to, to many more people. Where, where are we at now? Is it 700 people, Helen, who've come through? It's over 700 people. And um, I just looked at the numbers. 655 people have stayed on our distribution list. So you know, that's pretty good in terms of rates of attrition. People still want to stay in touch, get our newsletter and join in all our programme of ongoing support. Yeah, that's really good. So, John, tell us a little bit about TLC and what it does. And Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, the, the Lifestyle Club is an eight-week programme. So we run a one-and-a-half-hour Zoom session for eight consecutive weeks. Um we tend to run WhatsApp groups um, during the course so that people can communicate with each other. Really, the, the, the key benefit of TLC is that group participation and that group support led by uh, a TLC health coach. And we can talk a little bit about the training of, of TLC health coaches in a minute. Um, but we offer follow-up support and so that is is done via monthly catch-up calls and we're currently setting up uh, local support hubs so people can um, make contact with each other support each other uh, face to face and that could be doing um, walking groups or 
coffee catch-ups or meetups down the, the local um, town hall or uh, um, church hall or pub or, or whatever it is that people want to do. Um, so we're there to facilitate and, and, and help, help um, set these things up, but it's really run by them, for them the participants the tlc course itself it comes with a quite a comprehensive handbook which people love and they we get universal um uh, comments from people saying how much they enjoy and it's really you know part of their um setup now lives on their coffee table and and is referred to by by not just themselves but um other household members and friends and family um so the course itself and the handbook, um, it was they were designed with input from uh, PHC ambassadors, but the, the but the main uh, architect of it is Expert Health. So it comes with um, their um, it, it comes with experts' um, deep involvement in this area of metabolic health improvement. They've been doing this for around around 20 years. They have a research arm and they've been training uh, educators uh, to deliver, uh, well, to design and to deliver these structured education programs in the NHS. Um, Recently, and and Helen can maybe talk a little bit more about it, about about it, we we achieved uh, Kismet accreditation. So referring yeah. uh, surgeries uh, and qualify for QOF in the, in the um, uh, 014 target area. Um, Helen, I don't know if you want to say a bit more about so, that. Just for, Yeah, um, I, well, I was just looking it up because I can never remember what Kismet actually stands for, but it's Quality Institute for Self-Management Education and Training. And uh, Is that specific? Within the NHS? So it's recognised by the NHS, but it's independent from the NHS. But all structured education that um, is delivered throughout the NHS, you know, that that would be a good thing to be Kismet accredited. And in order to qualify, they wanted to go through everything that we're doing with a fine tooth comb. So they wanted to know about our training programme, how we assess whether a, a TLC health coach is meeting the requirements, um, they wanted to look at things like our complaints procedure, um, the quality of the, the resources that we're using and the structure of our courses. So they, they went through everything. So to have been accredited is fantastic. We're really pleased with that. Yeah, great. Maybe, John, just summarise TLC. Because I think the important thing to get across is that it's um, we're really trying to get reach um, doctor surgeries and clinicians to sort of um i don't want to say employ because that's not the right word but bring in tlc within their um surgeries to to for them to get this out well through the health coaches to get this out to the public um so it's more for clinicians rather than just the average layperson isn't it yeah i think what's really important about tlc is that it's a structured education program designed by expert health so has um you know a, a lot of um a, a lot of backing um behind it it's delivered by qualified health coaches so we're trained to uh, ph uh, um, sorry pci that's the personalized care institute uh, level 3 standard so we're we're qualified to deliver uh, structured this structured education program we're qualified as health coaches and really what what we are able to do is take a load off of the clinician's shoulders when it comes to uh, helping them to put their diabetic um, population uh, into remission or head towards remission which following david unwin's um uh, results, you know, we see as as a really, um, a, 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 you know, a, a very realistic um, possibility that that diabetes uh, for that participant will will be put into remission with our support. What we hear from the clinicians that we work with are that it it, it takes 
uh, a lot of work off of them with respect to running the referrals process. So a broadcast message could be sent out um, and then really handed over to us to enroll the participants, to deliver the structured education program, and then to support those um, for the clinician, their patients, to to support them on an ongoing basis, which could be uh, for a very long time. do, do we say lifetime support if we need if 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 they need it, uh, Helen? Certainly, at the moment, that's what our uh, objective is: is to just let people. Do, I mean, we're a club, and uh, the lifestyle club, as opposed to the lifestyle course. So the idea is they come on the course, but actually, we're interested to to be with them for the journey. And um, I think that it, you see time and time again that people might do really well to start with, but actually, six months in, that's when they're going to need that extra level of support so that's we want to be there to pick up the pieces and help people get back on track yeah and actually just to continue the education I think there's so much to learn that you're never going to pick it all up in eight weeks so it's nice to be able to meet up monthly or fortnightly to just sort of keep learning and see it you know see the whole process develop yeah, you often have guests don't you um each month oh yeah absolutely on a zoom call so they they can you know, get some further information or, you know, listen to what this person, whoever it is, has to say. So I think, yeah, that's really good. And actually, a lot a lot of the time they present themselves. You know, we have participants that have done phenomenally well. And so it's so inspiring for everybody else to listen to exactly what happened. Um, so, yeah, it's not always external speakers. Sometimes it's just us presenting to each other. Yeah. So, Helen, maybe tell us a little bit about the ethos of, TLC? Um, Absolutely. So I think the overriding thing that we wanted to get across is that we're providing information rather than advice. We don't want people to feel that we're telling them what to do. We want to present all of the evidence that's out there and um, sort of explain the science of what's happening in type 2 diabetes so that um, people can make their own decisions as to what's going to work for them. Uh, because there's no one single path to success. And the more you, you learn about all the different possibilities, you could introduce fasting, you might use exercise. Um, you certainly don't need to remove carbohydrates altogether. So it may, you know, you, it'd be good to learn all of the different ways of restricting carbs. Um, and yeah, we provide the, the suggestions, recipe ideas and encouragement, and then they, they do everything else really. Yeah. Uh, so just the supportive environment, that's what we're trying to do, both in the weeks when we're running the course, but also afterwards through our uh, network with the public health collaboration and with all our support hubs that we're busy setting up at the moment. So, yeah, those are, are the sort of main ethos, I suppose, just keeping people on track, keep them on board and keep them with us for the long term. Um the, the sort of key messages that we like to get across in the, the sessions. The first one is that carbohydrates is not essential. And often people are really surprised to hear that, um, that it's the only nutrient that actually isn't required. You have essential proteins, essential fats, vitamins and minerals, but carbohydrates, your liver can make glucose. So you don't actually need to eat it. Yeah, but we're told um, that the carbohydrates should be 60% of our diet. I know. So I know. Yeah, it's... I just, I can never get my head around that, but yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Exactly. And I think that you can see the penny dropping in that first session where we're we're talking about the fact that somebody with type 2 diabetes is struggling to control their glucose levels. They know that. So why would you want to eat 60% of your diet in a a food that's going to digest down into glucose? Um, Particularly when a human body needs only one teaspoon of glucose at any one time. Yeah. I, so I just I get people sense. telling me I, I've had this really healthy breakfast and I had porridge and banana and it's like well a, a banana has about eight teaspoons of sugar and then you add on the porridge as well and it's like yeah and you only need one teaspoon a day so yeah or at any given time you only need one teaspoon in your brain. I know tiny tiny amount yeah. so yeah we've, we've definitely lost our way really with the, the dietary guidelines so that's the first thing is understanding that carbohydrates is not essential the second message that I think we get across which generally people don't talk about is insulin resistance and 
uh, insulin resistance is underlying type 2 diabetes, but actually it's underlying most of the chronic diseases. And that's one of the reasons why when people make these changes, not only does their diabetes improve, but their blood pressure comes down or their skin infections clear up or they, you know, they, they don't need the Gaviscon anymore because they haven't got indigestion. So all sorts of things improve when people start looking at the root cause which is insulin resistance. So we do spend a bit of time explaining about what that is and the fact that um, the pancreas produces insulin when you eat um, carbohydrates, but actually your cells stop responding properly. So um, what happens in type 2 diabetes is the pancreas then makes more insulin. And so often these people are swimming in insulin, but just not able to use it properly. And so it makes sense to reduce the amount of carbohydrates because that will then reduce the amount of insulin and it will make the cells more responsive to insulin so uh, they will start to feel better they'll get more energy uh, they probably start to feel less hungry and uh, we sort of just get the whole cycle moving in the other direction so um, yeah people start to feel better quite quickly i think when they they start tlc Okay, so the, the last point I was just going to make, and then I'll let John say something, but um, the last sort of focus that we have in our sessions is on goal setting. And I'm sure you've had Jen Unwin on the, um, the, the podcast before, but Jen, um, her interest is in hope in chronic diseases and how you can help people be motivated to behaviour changes. And she devised something called the GRID model, which stands for goals, resources, increments and uh, noticing so we explain uh, the grin model in our first session um, and it's really just for somebody to to help them to to start achieving their goals so first you need a really big goal and something that's going to actually motivate you to start making some changes and it's good if it's really detailed so when somebody says oh i just want to be healthier that's that's not really going to be a good goal. But to say what I really want to do is be able to take my my grandchildren to the seaside and to to play, you know, digging sandcastles with them. That is a really good goal to aim for. Then you need to think about your resources. So you need to think, what do you know already about improving your health? Uh, where can you go for more information and who's going to help you on the journey? Um, and it's really important to break it down into little steps because you might have a really big, big, hairy goal to aim for. But actually, each week, you'd be much better just to tackle it a bit at a time. Yeah. Um, and in our sessions, we usually end on, you know, what little change are you actually going to make this week? So we can talk about how you get on next time. Um, and then it's really important to notice people get fixated on weight and worrying about what's happening with their weight. But actually, so many other things are going to change that you can think about. Are you sleeping better? Do you actually feel less hungry now? Um, can you go between meals without needing a snack? So lots of little things to look out for that just show that actually your insulin levels coming down. You are getting better and things are starting to move in the right direction. Yeah. So um yeah, those are our three things. Don't worry about carbs, insulin resistance, learn as much as you can about that and goal setting as a way to, to motivate for change. Yeah, fabulous. So, John, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the results that you've had? Before we do so, I would like to just dwell a little bit on a, a part of our ethos, which is really driven by what's going on nationally in healthcare and within the NHS, a transition towards mm. more of an empowerment model and a, a recognition that patients themselves become experts in their own um, their own problem, their own uh, chronic disease um, state, and diabetes in particular. I think is 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 really important when I reflect on my own type one diabetes. And and how I you know if I want to manage it well I, I have to become an expert in in, in human metabolism, um, but that drives really the way expert have designed um, TLC with respect to a concept the concept of discovery learning that we provide the the tools the information um, and the support for people to to take control themselves and and really take control of their own decisions. Um, and set their own goals, the goals that, um, that that Helen was just referring to there. They're not our goals. We're not setting them. We're not providing them. We're not 
you know, um, prompting people to to say, we're, we're we're encouraging people to find a goal that really is meaningful to themselves, uh, that helps with their own motivation to stay on track and to keep sight of. You know where is it that they want to end up, and we'll maybe come come and touch on some of those things a bit bit later on. But you know, for some people, it might not be blood blood glucose management that really motivates them. Perhaps it's something very different. Yeah. Um, and so we don't try to pretend to understand what it is that the person wants to do, and we encourage them to learn, um, and then. Uh, create their own goals based on based on that learning. So there's this this whole principle of informed choice, um, informed choice about coming onto TLC because we recognise that TLC is not the only approach. You know, real food, low carb is one way, but there are other valid ways. And if people have the information to to take the decision to come onto TLC and then choose to do it, they will be more motivated to um to to stick with it and 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 gain from it. Equally along the yeah. way, you know, people are making informed choices like Helen mentioned earlier, you know, do they want to do inter- intermittent fasting? Well, maybe we'll give them the information and maybe they decide not to. And that's okay. That's that's up to them. We try not to be prescriptive. Yeah. A theme that's been coming up over the last few weeks on the podcast is about um, each person's responsibility for their own health. And we've been over the last maybe 40 years, we've been outsourcing our health to the doctors. And actually what we need to do is take back that responsibility or the ability to respond to our health and and I think that is really empowering when you dis- when you make the decision to to do something about it, then it's down to you. And, you know, you, you know, I've applied to be a health coach on the TLC. But in the meantime, I'm a health coach in my own a low carb health coach in my own right. And that's one of the things that I agree is that you give people the information what they decide to do with it is is down to them and and so i see my role as um encouraging them and empowering them to make good decisions things that are going to support them on their journey and like you said their their goals everybody has a different goal so for some person it's playing with their grandkids for another person it's um you know climbing a mountain i've had some fantastic goals that people have told me and then when they realize them at the end it's amazing yeah. it's really uh, very exciting yeah and the and other I thing think the other thing is it's remembering that people are experts in their own lives you know we can sort of make suggestions but actually they know what's going to work for them so um it's being careful not to be too prescriptive yeah and they have to make the decisions and i always say to people they say are you going to give me a food plan of what I can what I should eat each day and it's like no you decide what you want to eat it's your choice you know it's not for me to tell you what to eat but I can help you find ways to eat things that are going to support you know the outcome that you want and that's um you know I think the um where the TLC is brilliant and also the the actual program is really easy for people to understand and the book is really simple i think that's an important concept of keeping it simple so that people can um they don't need any special qualifications to be able to take this and run with it they can they can implement it and then you know the health coach is there to support them through the first eight weeks and then like you say with the ongoing support that you've got they just can stay plugged in and stay focused because there's so much to learn isn't there we're all learning all the time yeah part of the journey so should we go back to results yeah let's talk about the results we i think it's fair to say that all of us on on tlc that are delivering these programs are, are super proud um of the participants and their own success we we don't own their success but it, 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 these are their results and we're so proud of them and, and every time we get a text message or an email telling us um what people have achieved it it it, it really um it really makes our day and it and this job just never stops delivering with respect to satisfaction that this role that you know we derive from from doing this role it's 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 brilliant 
Um, yeah. And I think, is it a good time, Helen, to maybe give a shout out to the other um, TLC health coaches who've just done so much and gone so far, you know, given so much of themselves? Absolutely. And I think that's the whole point that that is what makes TLC is our health coaching staff. So we've got Heather and Aranda and John and I were the sort of first four, but actually now we've got 10 health coaches. Um, so we've got David, Jane, Laura, Polly, Nicola, Helen, um, and then Heather Lewis, who um, is our fulfillment officer. So she's the one that posts all of the, the handbooks out to everybody. Um, but together it's an amazing team and people come at it with so much experience. Some people have reversed their diabetes, some um, pre-diabetes using this low carb approach. So they've got masses of um, sort of experience and ideas and um, recipes. Heather runs her own um, website and because TLC doesn't have, not a website, it's a Facebook page. Um, but because TLC hasn't got a Facebook page, we're using Heather's spills be low carb and uh, I can't remember how many people she's got on there now but she's forever putting really relevant uh, up-to-date suggestions and recipes so yes great group yeah it's fantastic so together that team we've supported people in achieving the results that I'm just going to mention so so these are going to be uh these are six month results so people come in we have to take baseline results um you know health markers from them and then after six months, we've collected more data. We do collect longer term data, um, but that, um, that perhaps Helen will come back to that, that sort of data capture and how we're going to hopefully uh, publish that uh, in the future. But the data that we've got at, at the moment, so split into two categories of pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes. So the pre-diabetics who have come in have started with an average HbA1c of 47.5 millimoles per mole. So that's the UK unit, um, and that would be in US uh, 8%. And after six months, they dropped it to 41 millimoles per mole. Um, so that's 6.9% in the US. Uh, so that's in the non-diabetic range. So within six months, these people on average have turned their diabetes around and they've been, made themselves not pre-diabetic anymore. So just astounding uh, results, you know, given what um, David Unwin, you know, says about his first 25 years or so as a clinician, where diabetes was treated as a non-reversible condition that just got worse and was treated with more drugs as time went on. Um, so really changing the paradigm here. And then as a, you know, a really useful marker for metabolic health, and we encourage participants to keep track of it because it's so simple and effective to, to track his waste. Um, and for our pre-diabetic population, this this reduced by 15 centimetres or six inches in the first wow. six months of, of, of being on TLC. Um, and then along the way, as, as I think Helen mentioned earlier, you know, a useful byproduct of blood glucose normalisation is weight loss. Certainly so in myself and, and on average, our pre-diabetic uh, participants lost on average seven kilos or 15 pounds in, in six months. So really great results. Um, and that that first stat there that I mentioned of people on average moving into the non-pre-diabetic range, just amazing. And then for people with type 2 diabetes, um, they came in with an average HbA1c of, of 64 or 6.5% in US money um, and reduced that at six months to 52 millimoles per mole or 5.9% in, in, in US um, so they lost six and a half centimetres from their waistline or two and a half inches. Uh, and on average, they had lost 3.8 kilos or eight and a half pounds in, in US terms. Um, so a bit less waistline, bit less um, uh, weight loss in the in the pre-diabetic population. But, um, you know, perhaps other issues going on there, perhaps different age uh, and perhaps different level of motivation having lived with type 2 diabetes for, for, for a longer period than the pre-diabetics coming in. And so a number of potential um, you know, reasons for differences between those two cohort, cohorts. But Helen, did you have something there? Well, I was just going to say that, that when you make it all into an average, you lose the individuals. And so we have had some people lose huge amounts of weight, but actually not everybody needs to lose weight when they have type 2 diabetes. So 
Um, you know, I, for some reason, the pre-diabetics lost a huge amount of weight, but there was no rhyme or reason for that. We have had people with type 2 that have also lost a huge amount. So yeah. I think but it I was think, just one of those quirks of the statistics. I think it highlights the fact that actually when you get that pre-diabetic um, diagnosis, that that is the time to to implement changes before it gets any worse. Because, you know, previously people were told there's nothing you can do. In fact, probably in most surgeries around the UK and probably anywhere else in the world, they're not told that they can do something about it. But if they're listening to this or they know someone who, you know, they're listening to this and they know someone who is, you know, that really highlights that you can you can make huge changes before you even get, you know, further along the line. And I think with the diabetics, if they're taking insulin, you know, that um, impacts how much people lose because if they're taking insulin, it's so much harder to lose weight and you lose the waist circumference because you need to reduce the insulin. And, you know, that's a big part. Of I know it. that's another thing that people don't realise, that as soon as your insulin's elevated, you can't lose weight. Yeah. Your body physically cannot lose weight until the insulin comes down. Yeah. So rather than focusing on trying to lose weight, you need to focus on getting your insulin down and then the weight will just start changing. So yeah. it's just a different perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, lots to learn. So anything else, John, on the results thing? So because we interrupted you. Oh, no, no. Um, I, I'd covered all the results that I wanted to to, to mention. Uh, I was just interested to get yeah. Ellen's take on, you know, the different cohorts that we've got, um, you know, the, the pre-diabetic versus the diabetic. That We do see some differences there. And, you know, it, it, it is interesting um, that they, they they have different results. But, yeah, I mean, some of the type 2 diabetics might have been living with diabetes for 40 years, having been told all that time, you know, it's just progressive and, and it just normalises that condition for them. And, and perhaps they might think, you know, I'm still alive. Um, I've still got, you know, a decent amount of health, you know, Therefore, what's the what's the what's the real need to change today? It, it just might be different psychologically. Um, but the, are you going to talk about the research? Um, uh, yeah, we will talk about the research. One one other statistic around pre-diabetes is I think David Unwin quotes ninety eight percent of them can reverse their pre-diabetes. So it's definitely worth jumping on it straight away. Mm. And then with the type 2 diabetes, it depends how long you've had it for. So people that have had it for longer might find it harder to reverse because of what's happened to their pancreas in the meantime. But that's not to say it's not worth trying. And certainly we've got people on TLC that have reversed their diabetes after 20 years. I was talking to somebody the other day, an 83-year-old man is, has reversed his diabetes um, and he's had it for 20 years and you just think, goodness, what a waste. What a, a long time that his body's been exposed to all that extra glucose because um, it's so damaging. It damages all of the arteries. It damages nerves, um, you know, lots of um, lots of complications. Good. So, Helen, when we were at the um, PHC conference, you were inviting people to donate um because you want you're getting a study off the ground and you had somebody who was putting in triple the money that was going to be um raised so that other people were contributing as well but i think now in the month of august you've got something similar going on haven't you Absolutely. So we're, we're really delighted um, that the Bazuki group have given us a match funding to £20,000. So it means that any donations that we receive through August will be doubled um, up to the value of £20,000, which is incredible. Um, so perhaps if I just introduce a bit about the study. Yeah, I was going to say, tell people, tell people about the, uh, um, the study that you're trying to get. Yeah. So we've been running TLC now for two years. And as John said, we've got fantastic results. But the problem that we're having is that firstly, all of our results are patient reported. So it's people measuring their own toys and, you know, standing on the scales at home and telling us their, their results. Um, but also that the blood tests that the surgeries do, we have no control about when those tests are taken. So although it would be nice to have a blood test at the beginning of the eight weeks and then have another one at the end, we don't have any control over that. And also we don't have any control over changes to medications. 
So one of the questions that I'm often asked is, what's the remission rate for the people that have been on TLC? And we can't really say what the remission rate is because we, we haven't got access to all of those measurements. Mm-hmm. So I've been collaborating with the University of Surrey, which is where I actually did my master's. So um, Professor Denise Robertson, who was my um project supervisor has agreed to run a study where they are going to employ a research dietitian to measure everybody so people coming on to TLC that will all be completely normal Uh, they'll come on an information session to to hear all about what we do and if they like what they hear and over 80 percent of people that come on one of those sessions do so they sign up Um, but at that point they'll be asked would you like to join the study and if they want to join the study then we'll be able to take measurements uh, or this research dietitian will take the blood tests and take all of the measurements, um, ask them some questions. And that will then mean that we'll, we've got unbiased data that's been collected at all of the correct time points to be able to say exactly what happens when somebody does um, the lifestyle club as an intervention. Um, and hopefully our results will mirror what we all our anecdotal stories that we've heard from participants doing so well um such that we can then take that to the government and the nhs and say you know you are not offering low carb as a solution for diabetics they can choose between the soups and shakes approach which does work for some people but it's quite um restrictive uh they offer the the injections for weight loss and then they're offering a high high carbohydrate low fat approach with you know eat less and move more so we would like to see low-carb, real food as a a fourth option that people could choose to manage their diabetes with a a view to aiming for remission. So that's that's the point of the study. It's really just to raise awareness and to give everybody choice so that they can choose what approach they want to use to to improve their diabetes. And I'm guessing a bit like the Vota Health studies in the US, you probably need to run this over a couple of years to get all the data and that's very true yeah yeah that's very true so what we've said with our crowdfunding is we're aiming for fifty thousand to be able to settle the study up to employ the dietitian to get all of the base baseline measurements and then do a six month follow-up so if we hopefully we're we're almost at that fifty thousand um total but for another thirteen thousand, we'll then get the two-year follow-up, and actually, as you say, that is the measurement that people are most interested in. So, uh, we're going to need sixty-three thousand, and that will then get, give us the whole study, but also the um, two-year follow-up to see what happened after two years. And we're hoping to get hundred patients to sign up and to to be monitored. Um, so, yeah, that's that's coming. Uh, we're we're launching it to the surgeries um about november time and then the the participants will um start the courses in january so are they this the are they the um surgeries that are already using tlc so that yeah they, we've got surgeries in guildford and they're already um commissioning tlc so the people that have been through from guildford obviously missed the study they've still benefited from tlc but the people joining tlc in january from those Guildford surgeries will be given the option to, to, to have their measurements taken and they will get all of the results. The university will share all of the, the measurements that have been taken with them. So hopefully they'll find it even more motivating to feel like they're really being looked after yeah, um, from every angle. Yeah. So if someone, so if somebody's listening to the podcast today, whenever they're listening to it, in fact, um, if they're a clinician, they're probably already aware about low carb and the importance of it and how it helps in putting type two diabetes into remission. So I'm guessing that they could try and share this podcast, this episode with other people in their surgery or, you know, whoever they come in contact with, that would be a good idea. But you know, a lot of our listeners are not going to be clinicians. How can they help spread the word about the TLC? What can they do to to help raise awareness? Yeah, that's a really good point. So for clinicians, we're um, only operating through primary care at the moment. So they just need to get in touch. They could go to our website or just email me and I'll be able to explain how they can commission us and we'll get the whole thing up and running. And that will just then mean their patients can be 
um, signposted to TLC. At the moment, it's usually done through um, primary care networks. So a group of surgeries will commission us together and all of the surgeries will then be able to, to signpost patients to TLC. Um, for, for just members of the public, people with diabetes, people interested in hearing about what, what they could do, um, because TLC is not available th uh, unless through primary care, we don't do self-referrals, um, they can obviously speak to their GP. There's nothing to stop them going and actually saying, I've heard about this course. How do you feel about uh, offering it at our surgery? Um, so that's one thing they can do. But the other thing is that the public health collaboration charity has a huge amount of resources that's available for people with type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes. We've just launched um, a support service from the PHC website. So perhaps if we make sure that the, the PHC website address is also on your show notes. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. Um, then people can find out all about the low carbohydrate diets. There's um, recorded um, weekly sessions that, that uh, Liz has recorded. Um, so it's a similar thing to TLC. It's not TLC, but it's exactly the same messages of how to reduce carbohydrates and improve your, your diabetes. Yeah. And and then I wanted to ask you, so if if this if if this has been put in front of a um somebody in a primary care, either primary care network or in a particular surgery, what do you see as some of the benefits for the surgery to implement this you know why should they do it yeah that's a good question I don't know I feel like I'm doing all the cook talking do you want to say why they should do yeah it? and if it, what I'm, what I'm going to do here is refer to some of the direct feedback we've had from one of the clinicians we've been working with yes, from very early okay. on um, so a clinician working in my area um, you know, close to me geographically, and we've we've had some really good contact with with that clinician, and um, you know they have really benefited um, from this in their own job as well as seeing the benefits for for their patients. Um, so I'll just read a few of the things that you know has, has have been shared. Um, so frustrations um, prior to um, TLC, uh, it being difficult to recruit health coaches who often want to work nine to five hours. And, and what we can offer is, you know, if, uh, if a health coach wants to do it, they could run a session at the weekend, any evening of the week, um, and they can put their hours, you know, peppered throughout the week. Um, and then participants themselves can choose from a range, you know, maybe 12, 15. And when we've got more health coaches uh, and more demand, maybe 20 or 30 different sessions um through the week so uh you know it's 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 providing a service that the surgery doesn't have to manage which then gives their patients oodles of choice as to how they want to engage with with this you know what time of the day what, what time of the week um really you know another thing which which has been reported um you know primary care networks can can just buy this service in. It's not something that they're going to have to design themselves and invest all that time and energy and money and effort. They're just basically picking it off the shelf. It, it's a tried and trusted program that they can trust. They they can have confidence that it's going to work, that it's coming from having been designed by Expert Health, um, a very strong uh, research-backed, uh, evidence-based um, foundation. Um. So it's not something that the, the, the surgery is going to have to design themselves. Um, surgeries can often be limited in space. And, and that's one of the things that um, that we've been told um, that, you know, they don't have to provide, a, you know, a, a room to, to deliver this. Um, we're running it and we're running it over Zoom. Um, and so it doesn't require any, any uh, resources within the surgery itself in terms of um, you know, physical, uh, physical uh, space. Um, so let me just see if I can find some of the other thoughts that have been provided. So while you're doing that, uh, the Kismet is it's worth reminding everybody that with the Kismet accreditation means that they do get the um, they get all our referrals to our service qualify for the um, quality outcome framework 
points. So they, they still mm. pick those up. Does um, sort of reduction, because I don't know how it works, but does people's reduction in medication, for example, would that impact on a surgery? Let me, if I can, let me answer that because I've I've got a slide here which I I co-presented with with one of the clinicians at a, a national conference, um, and and so it might be helpful to me to just read out the, their final thoughts that they that they shared with the conference delegates. So um, significant deprescribing has occurred with some patients coming off their diabetic and hypertensive medication. One of the biggest advantages is the feeling of control and agency patients have regarding managing their long-term condition. Uh, don't est- underestimate the power of the group. Peer support is something we don't harness enough in general practice. Um, and this type of approach could be used to manage all sorts of other conditions like COPD, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, obesity, uh, and, and so on. I think with respect to your your question, um, Jackie, I don't think the surgeries themselves um, get a kickback from from the government or from the NHS regarding the deep prescriptions that that they're that they're having. But one thing that they will benefit from directly is not seeing their patients quite so much mm. because that is a direct cost to them. That hits their bottom line. So if they can have fifty thousand uh, patients on their books but see them half the amount of time, that's going to have a significant uh, impact on their profitability because they are, you know, they're not owned by the NHS or the government. These are are separate businesses, uh, GP surgeries, and they have to answer for their bottom line. So if they're not seeing their patients quite so much, that will be, you know, a significant improvement. And then we've got the job satisfaction. I don't know, Helen, whether you want to say something about that, about about what, what you've heard from, from clinicians on job satisfaction. Yeah, well, I've worked with a number now, um, certainly the surgeries that were with us from the beginning. And um, just the fact that when you see people getting better, when the whole conversation is so much more positive because people are starting to see results, they're feeling better, um, the weight is coming off if they need to do that. The diabetic control is is improving. Then the whole business of de- seeing seeing these patients becomes more enjoyable. Um, so yeah, definitely that that all of them um, have reported that it's just um, a joy really working. Yeah, with it must be with people that are doing well. Job satisfaction rather than frustration because if you if you're not doing anything, you're just seeing the same patients week in and week out nothing changes in fact things are getting worse it must be really frustrating I think those are the statistics aren't they that generally you are going to have to go on to more and more medication to keep your blood glucose levels under control and eventually insulin Mm. and in fact in the paper the other day it was saying that because the private um, health companies are, are using all of the weight loss injections that there's not enough for the NHS to be using for people with type 2 diabetes so that they're going to be using insulin much more and that's so worrying when you know that type 2 diabetes is is caused by insulin resistance where people can't manage insulin well to give them more insulin when you know that's going to stop their weight loss it just seems very roundabout I would say (laughs) yeah what a what a mess we're in yeah um, I was just one of the, my GPs in Aylesbury was looking at her numbers and, and actually her results, she she was able to go back to her, her records and actually look to see what had happened to the 36 patients with type 2 that had been on TLC. Um, and these were ones right from the beginning. So she's got one year results and they had reductions in HbA1c of 14 millimole and weight loss of 4.7 kilograms. So actually better than the, the average results that we're getting. Um, so she's delighted. And uh, it, yeah, it's really great. It's great for us to be working with these people, to be yeah. honest, to be doing a partnership. Brilliant. So Helen, John, is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we haven't spoken about today? Um, we're going to come on to how people can get in touch and we're going to ask you for your three top tips. But before that, is there anything else that, you would have liked to mention or you would have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? I think we've covered everything that I hope to get across, certainly. Um, Brilliant. So 
let's go to how can people find you? How can people get in contact? Who are the people that should be contacting you? All things like that. Ooh. So uh, the best place to go for information on um, the Lifestyle Club is our website and it's thelifestyleclub.uk. So not co.uk, but .uk. Um, or to email me, helen.gowers at phcuk.org. I think that's probably for clinicians to, to get in touch with me about commissioning the Lifestyle Club. Um, but equally, anyone's welcome just to see all of our um, participant stories. We've got uh, lots of information about just what we're doing. So um, people are welcome to have a look at those. Um, and I think it's the public health collaboration website for, for people that aren't, you know, aren't able to go to TLC in their own surgery. Then um, the, the charity is, is trying to, to fill that gap while we're waiting to, to ramp up and to to spread TLC around the country. That's phcuk.org, but all the links will exactly. be in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. So let's finish with your three top tips that could be, it could be around TLC, but it could be your personal things for, you know, people listening, what they could do to take control of their situation or it could be about diet um john it would be great if you could touch on something for the type 1 diabetics that are um listening um yeah go with your three top tips and i'm gonna choose who shall i choose first <laughs> john okay <laughs> you go yeah well um you, you mentioned type 1 there so i will briefly mention that you know my my personal hope is that one day we'll have a tlc for type 1 and Sam Feltham, uh, the PhD director, is is well up for that. But I think what we, we really need to run, uh, sorry, walk before we can run with TLC, we need to establish and deliver this consistently for a period of time before we start trying to scale this up um, by moving into different areas. But type ones, yes, uh, I would, I think it's fair to say we, you know, since the introduction of insulin therapy, um, my personal belief is that type one was more or less forgotten about. And so, yeah, I certainly feel like, um, you know, we get the short end of the stick with respect to um, good care. Um, and particularly with carbohydrates, you know, we, you see as a, as, as a person that's injecting insulin, um, the impact of carbohydrates. So low carb is safe in, in type one, but you need to do it with good support um currently tlc isn't offering that support for type ones um but the, there are uh, resources out there and i would encourage people to um to, to go out and find them dr ian lake is a great uh ambassador for type ones he is type one himself he's a gp um and has been working with the, the the phc for a long time so google him have a look at his phc talks yeah and I'll put in the links, um, the podcast that we've done with him. I think it's 115 and I don't know what the other number is, 136 maybe. So, um, yeah, we've we've done a few interviews with Ian. So, yeah, that would be a good resource. Oh. And even for clinicians who are looking to implement more around type 1 diabetics, he runs courses as well. He does indeed, yes. So what tips would you give a type 1 diabetic? Three top tips. Three top tips for type ones. Okay. Um, understand your basal requirements. And you can do that with a short fast. You know, engaging in a 24-hour fast is is some, certainly something that, that type ones can do. Um, and if they're noticing their blood glucose trending upwards during that uh, more extended fast, then um, perhaps you're not using enough basal insulin. If you're trending down perhaps you're using too much basal insulin um so that's a good thing to to, to start with and then like in, we say to, to type twos in tlc program you know small incremental changes are often easier to cement uh, so bringing down carbohydrates um you don't have to slam the brakes on and go to zero on day one um mm. But if you're wearing one of these, I'm I'm, I'm showing on on screen to to Jackie. Uh, this is my uh, Freestyle Libre sensor. You, you can experiment. You can find out what for you drives your blood glucose uh, up the most. 
Um, and if you want to cut those things out to maybe make a big improvement in your in your HbA1c in your in your average glucose. So yeah, understanding your basal, um, reducing carbohydrates, doing it incrementally, gradually, and paying attention to your CGM. I think CGMs have been just you know so incredibly important for for taking proper control of blood glucose but especially in type 1 um and i do believe that everybody in the uk now should be uh uh should be able to obtain one um on prescription from their from their gp surgery yeah so if they haven't got another tip would be if they haven't got one to to go and speak to their doctor and and try and get one absolutely yeah Excellent. Helen, what are your three top tips? Okay. Um, I absolutely, I'm a real fan of goal setting. And so for me, the grin model is absolutely perfect. And um, just always really set a reach goal in that we're so much more capable of achieving things than we give ourselves credit for. And um, and then just break it down and, and keep plugging away and find people that are going to support you in your mission. So find your tribe. And I think that's one of the things I've tried to create with TLC is that just a group of people that are really keen to improve their health and all help each other to help themselves. Um, and it doesn't have to just be around diets because, you know, if we think what we've done with TLC, we've set ourselves a massive great goal and we've just broken it down. And over two years, we've made the most astonishing achievements, really. So yeah, definitely do some goal setting. Um, and then I suppose my second thing really is around our study. Um, but please support our crowdfunding, whether, you know, just a tiny amount, it's all being doubled through August. So whatever you can can give, it will be doubled. And even just to share the, the website or to tell people. So with crowdfunding, it's all about volume. So the more people that know about it, the better. Um, and what we want is just to be able to offer low carb, real food as an option for people with type 2 diabetes on the NHS, for the NHS to endorse it in the way that it endorses all of its other uh, more medical options. Yeah. Um, people should be able to do this just by changing their diet. Um, you know, we've proved that it's possible, but we need to actually have the robust data for them to be able to, to take it on board. So, yeah, please support us. Excellent. So thank you for being with me today. Can I just, been a can I just add one more? Sure. Can I just add one more? Just just to say uh, to clinicians out there who might be listening that, that TLC is offering you a simple for you uh, to refer your patients in uh, to a cost-effective solution. It just doesn't cost a lot of money uh, with excellent long-term outcomes. And, and, and potentially, you know, this could be the healthcare model for the future, we all talk about how to save the NHS and we can see it crumbling. Um, but diabetes is consuming such a large part of the NHS budget that if we were to scale this up nationally, you know, this could be one of the saviours, if not the saviour of the NHS. Yeah, I, I heard recently that the NHS spends £10 billion a year just on type 2 diabetes. So even if we halved that, you know, that would be massive and where money could be spent elsewhere on doing all sorts of other things. But not only that, you know, in, in my view, by by people working on their type 2 diabetes, you know, what is the knock-on effect in reducing heart disease and cancer and dementia and Alzheimer's and all the other things that come into insulin resistance? So it's it's it could be a massive saving for the NHS. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, let's hope we can we can get there. Helen, John, thank you for joining me this week. And it's been great chatting to you and great. You know, I know a lot about the TLC and I've um, shadowed David. And um, but I think, you know, more people need to know about it and be introducing it. One, introducing it to their surgeries. And the other is, like you said, for a small amount of money, even if you can only spare one or two pounds you know collectively across all our listeners that's going to add up massively and then if it's doubled as well you know people can just help in any small way that they can so thank you for joining yeah, us today. thank you
Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.